Thanks for listening to this week's message. We want to hear what God is doing in your life through the ministry of Res Life Holland. If you have a testimony, please email us at info at To learn more about us or to contribute to this ministry financially, check us out on Facebook or visit rlcholland.com. Hey, last week we had Pastor Ryan Peters come in and he was talking about uh, leaning into God and his presence. And I thought that was a perfect illustration and how he talked about the heart of God. Two weeks ago, uh, we talked about uh, inclining our hearts to the, to the heart of God and that we could hear his heartbeat and how it's a steady rhythm for us to, to follow pace in life and how we need to constantly set ourselves and check ourselves. And that there's a rhythm when it comes to God. And so Pastor Danny and I the other day were talking and we said, man, February is a good month and we're not doing this because of Valentine's Day. It just so happens it's, it's around, it's a year round thing. Like we just, we want to share God's love and God's type of love. And you know what? At this time we see commercials, we see the flowers and what Hallmark says love should be about. And, but you know what? Bible-based love, agape type of love, which is uh, unconditional, is what God radiated all over us. And he wants that to flow within us. And so I want to talk to you guys about immeasurable love. Everyone say immeasurable love. You see, see, when I think about immeasurable, or actually when I think about measuring, I default to uh, um, a measuring tape. And right now I'm doing a project in my house. Uh, It's a very slow, slow project, but it's going. It's about a five-year deal now. (laughs) But we're remodeling our, or not remodeling, we're rebuilding our our, our downstairs uh, in our house. And man, you carpenters, man, I give you props. The handyman, I give you props. I mean, I'm talking about like drywall, mudding. I mean, just to the T, that's as far as I got. I haven't gotten anywhere else from there. But one of the cool tools that I, I've been using is, is the measuring tape. And the measuring tape has really been helping me out with um, uh, lining up the drywall because I'm able to measure it. And there are certain pieces in the wall where I'm able to, to uh, line this up, you know, measure it, okay, you know, 52 and a half inches. And, you know, if I go 53, I'm out of order. But if I go 52 and a half and I cut it there, pieces fit and it looks good, right? So when I think of measuring, there's a tool that we use that we can measure. And so many times we do that, not, not on intentional, but we ask, like, you know, we play this game with our kids, like, I love you this much, you know, no, well, I love you this much, well, I love you to the moon and back. And, and so what we're doing is we're, we're battling each other out by measuring our love, right? We're able to do that. But when it comes to God's type of love, his love is immeasurable. You can't measure it. And sometimes that's hard for us to comprehend, but I want to dive in a little bit in his word and talk about his immeasurable love and how good that is for all of us. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 15, it says, and again, this is the Apostle Paul uh, uh, talking to the, uh, the the Ephesian church. And he says this, I pray that Christ may live in your hearts by faith. Everyone say by faith. I pray that you will be filled. All right. Everyone say filled with love. Now, other translations, uh, I was looking at that word filled was translated also as rooted or established. And when I was thinking about rooted and established, I was thinking about a flower bed and how when you plant something in, it has to be uh, planted in properly so the roots can take ground, right? And as soon as it's planted in properly, it's able to grow and expand. And you don't see it, but man, you, I mean, you, can, you can try to yank it, it won't come off. Now, you can pull maybe the petals off, it'll just regenerate because of the roots. 
And he's saying, I want that love to be rooted in you. And when you think of established, established is simply to build on. See, when you build a home or you build anything, uh, you need a foundation so, so you can build off it so it's not easily tipped over or, or, or blown away. So that word filled is rooted and established with his love. Verse 18 says, I pray that you will be able to understand, all right? Understand, and another translation is to grasp, to grasp. Now, when I think of the word grasp, um, I think about a bulldog. I was taught this in school, okay? And I didn't know this. And some of you guys can probably say, yep, you're right for that one. A bulldog, when it locks its jaw on something, say a bone or a toy or whatever, its nose is, is slightly inclined. Oh, wow, I sound cool. This nose is slightly inclined. So when it has a hold, it can still breathe. And that thing, that dog, has got a grasp of whatever it is, and it's not letting go. It is not letting go. And so when you think about the word understanding, God's saying, I want you to grasp what I'm about to share with you. I want you to grasp on what I have for you, okay? And he says this, I pray that you'll be able to understand or grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is for you guys, for me, for all of us. He's saying, I want you to grasp that. Hold on to that and have an understanding. Verse 19 says, I pray that you will know the love of Christ, that his love goes beyond. Other translations says surpasses, okay? His love goes beyond anything we can understand. So now we're getting to a point where, okay, now it's hard to measure that. How do we compete against that? You know, saying I love you to the moon and back, God, I feel like, man, that's nothing compared to how much you love me. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? And, here, and here's the thing. He's saying, I want you to, I pray that you understand. He says, I pray that you will be filled with God himself. Now, why would he say God himself? Here's the reason why. God didn't create love. He's not holding love. Some of you guys are going, huh? Listen, God is love. So when you're filled, when you fill yourself with God, when you fill yourself with him to the brim, when you want him, and, and, and you may not have an understanding, but you want, uh, want him in you, and you fill yourself with him, and you allow him to do that, you are filled with this agape love, this unconditional love that God is just pouring in you. And what happens is life, when we go through life, we're able to love others that much more easier because it's not your love, okay? It is his love radiating out of you. Now, when you love someone. Like if I loved someone, there are days where I'm like, I don't feel like loving you today. Never my wife, but people, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. I will fall short. And I'm just being truthful. I will fall short. I will always fall short because I don't have this agape love I can just give to everybody. But there is a Lord and Savior that does. And when we learn, when we understand, when we grasp, there you go, when we grasp, the fact that we can rest in his agape love, that we can have him fill us up, we're able now to love others. And a chain reaction happens. We're able to forgive others when they did us wrong. We're able to talk to others when we don't want to talk to them. We're able to do it because it's not our love that we're leaning and relying on. It is the love of Christ that is coming out of us. And you see God just, and they see God in you. 
they'll see God. You see, because what happens is we are limited as human beings, guys. We, we have an earthly intelligence, and mine's not way up there, you know, but we have an earthly intelligence, and we are limited also by time. So one of the things we wrestle with in this world is to understand what we just read, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep. We wrestle with that because and it may not be in word form, like, oh, I just don't understand God, I just don't understand, but there are moments where we feel like, man, we're taking that guilt trip. I messed up, God. Or am I the only one that does that? Come on. Okay. I messed up, God. I'm, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I messed up, God. And for the moment, you forget the love that God has poured on you. We forget. And just because we're limited in this time, we, we, we're trying to understand something that's uh, in, in, in a natural stage, what supernatural is about. And so the only thing we need to do is, again, going back to the scripture, it says that Paul prays. He says it one, two, three, four, five times. He says, Paul says, I pray that Christ may live in your hearts by faith. I pray that you will be filled. I pray that you are able to understand. I pray that, that you would know love, the love of Christ. I pray that you will be filled with God himself. He says it five times in those two verses, three verses. Five times he says, I pray. Why is he saying I pray? Because when we pray, we're able to tap into the supernatural. Look at it, look at it this way. Look at it this way, okay? I, I rarely see him around, but my brother-in-law, Freddie, we call him Chucho. My, my brother-in-law has a Honda Accord. Man, that thing is so sweet. What year is it? 2014, man. That thing is sweet. And I was like, let me, let me ride that, okay? He's like, all right, all right, let me drive it. So I go on the highway. I'm driving, speed limit, okay, guys? And it's a stick shift. All right? Now, who's, who's driven a stick shift before? Or at least attempted to drive a, drive a stick shift? All right? It's different from an automatic. All right? An automatic, turn the car, switch the gears, go. Okay? And you're able to go. But with the stick shift, there's another extra pedal called the clutch. Now, to, to, to drive this car, it requires you to know how to, to, to release that clutch so you can go in gear. Now, I can turn the car on when I put the clutch down. I can turn the car on, I can switch gears all I want, and I can hit the gas, but if I don't release the clutch, the car ain't going anywhere, just looking pretty, that's all it is. See, so many times in life that we, we, we just look pretty, okay? We just, I go to church, I read my Bible, but we're not tapping into God, we're not releasing our clutch, because here's the thing, when I drove that Honda, and I reversed that thing, and I released the clutch, and I hit the gas, man, the rubber hit the road, it hit the road, that's all I got to say, we're not going any further than that, all right, but I won, not just like, <laughs> I'm joking, <laughs> here's the thing, here's the thing, the moment I release the clutch, the moment you release the clutch, uh, driving a stick shift, what happens is, rubber hits the road, and you're gone, from here to there, there are so many times we don't tap into prayer in our prayer life, in our prayer language, or even in our prayer closet. And so what's happening is we love Jesus, we want Jesus, we, you know, we want to share the word of God to everyone and do his mission, but we're not releasing the clutch. We're just going, and we're not going anywhere, and we're struggling, and we're going through these things, and we don't quite understand why. And that's because you have to encounter the love of God. You have to release. And when you go in prayer, when Paul says, I pray, he's saying, release the clutch. When I pray, he's saying, release the clutch. When I pray, release the clutch. When I pray, release the clutch. That's what he's saying. So the reason why is because when you pray, you encounter the supernatural with God, you release the clutch, and in your life, the power of God comes out of you. 
That's the only way I could explain it. Man, I wasn't even in my notes. That was awesome. <laughs> See, I knew it. I, I want to stick shit for a reason. So <laughs> here's the thing, though. We, we need to understand that when, when the Apostle Paul says, I pray that you, I pray that you, I pray, I pray, I pray, it's because he wants us to encounter. He wants us to rest in that love of God. Because when we rest in our own understanding, we miss it. When we try to love our own way, we miss it. We, are, we do become unforgiving and, and bitterness. But when we rest in his love and his grace, we're able to do the impossible. Here's the thing. I was talking to Pastor Dan. He had a good point. One of the challenges about that, that we get as believers, as well, you know, you're expressing this grace so big, you're just giving people a license to sin. And me and Pastor Danny were talking about it. He's like, man, you know that you don't need a license of sin? <laughs> we were born that way already? Think about it. And God wants us to have a hold of that. Okay? God wants us to have a hold of that. He wants us to rest in that. And when we rest in that, when we're able to go, when we're able to go into our prayer closet and do that, we're, again, we're allowing God just to work within us so we can be filled with God. Everyone say filled with God. We are limited because of our intelligence and time here in this world. But when we go into prayer again, we're able to tap into God and walk a life in God. Because God understands that we may not fully comprehend it mind-wise because of our, our, our earthly mindset. But he says, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to experience my love. I want you to encounter my love. And when we can do that, man, let me tell you something. Who's ever ate chocolate like for the first time or saw a baby eat chocolate for the first time? I remember, and I do, mom, I remember this when my grandma put chocolate milk in my bottle. Like I, for some bizarre reason, maybe I was seven, that's why, because my grandma was that way, but no laughing, all right? But I remember, my, I remember my grandma put in chocolate milk because it was like the pivotal point of my, like, what is this stuff? And I drank it, and did grandma not, and she, my mom will say, yeah, did grandma not disguise my bottle as a pink bottle? So my mom would not know <laughs> that she was still giving me a bottle. You know what? I mean, it's funny to think about, but man, I remember it because God wants me to speak, and I don't know why he told me to say that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The moment I went to chocolate milk, I never went back to milk. I'm just saying, and I still struggle with milk. I'll drink milk, but I still struggle with it. I need chocolate in there. But the moment, what I'm saying is this. The moment you taste God, the moment you're filled with God, you don't want to go back. And you don't care if it's a pink bottle. You don't care what you look like. You're just going to do it because you've tasted, you've experienced, you've countered God. You've experienced his love. I used to worry. And you, here's the thing before I get into that story. God, what he does to help us out, even though we may not fully comprehend it, he leaves us evidence everywhere. He leaves evidence. For instance, I, I worked at Gentex for four and a half years. Do I have any Gentex peeps in here? Make some noise. Don't wave, man. Make some noise. <laughs> Actually, Nate and I, we, he, I, when I left, he pretty much took my spot. That was pretty cool. And we, like, have this little mini mission going on. Let me tell you something. That's a ministry itself over there. So here's, here's the thing, though. I've learned so much. But I used to work at Gentex from 2010 to 2014 before I came full-time uh, uh, ministry. And so every day, almost every day uh, at lunchtime, uh, actually, yeah, every day, Madi would pack me a lunch, unless maybe a child was not feeling good or whatever, I would just buy a lunch. Uh, but she would pack me a lunch every single time. 
Now, I used to have to go in at 4.30 in the morning if we're on overtime, 6.30 average time. So it was pretty early. So my family's sleeping, right? Uh, I'm not able to see them. I'm able to pray over them and just leave. Um, and typically, I had a clock in at 4.30, and I'd wake up like at 4.05. So, I mean, it's just like one of those roll out of the bed type of deal, just go and be faithful, you know? But here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Every lunchtime, I would go and I would pull out my sandwich, and I just loved her sandwiches. She toasted it. She put the right amount of mayonnaise on it, little tiny bit of mustard, not a lot, little tiny bit of mustard with the ham, you know, and, and turkey and bologna. Like, it's just like, stack it up with meat, baby. Stack it up with meat. And, you know, so every, every lunchtime, I would, I would eat my lunch. And every time I would find a uh, post-it note, all right, that would say, I'm not going to tell you guys what it say. So <laughs> let's just say she loves me, okay? <laughs> so it, it would, I would have all these cool notes in there, and it would make my day. It really would because um, 10 hours a day, I feel you, Gentex people, 10 hours a day, six days, seven days a week, I totally get it, you know? And, but here's the thing. That brought motivation in me for some reason. Like her loving me, knowing that, hey, I, I, I'm praying for you, Jesse. I love you. Don't worry about the children. You have a great day, and I'll see you later. And through a Post-it note was evidence that I'm doing what I need to do here and the evidence that she loves me. That, that, that she was able to, that, that she is praying and thinking about me. And that made me think about her even more. The evidence of, through those post-it notes were there. And I just loved that. It was motivating. And here's the thing. God does the same thing. You know, maybe it's not a post-it note, but he leaves us these evidence here on earth to say, hey, I love you. Hey, don't, I, I'm thinking of you. Hey, check this out. And I want to talk to you guys about four of those uh, uh, What's it called? Four of those evidence, thank you. Four of those evidence of God's love, okay? And the first one is this. Number one, the first evidence that God leaves us is the evidence of forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. forgiveness. Now, I'm not going to dive into what forgiveness is. I want to show you the evidence of how God's love is shown through forgiveness, okay? Now, picture the cross right now. We're at Calvary. Jesus is getting whooped. You know, he's, he's getting beaten uh, for our sins and our transgressions. And he's now carrying the cross, and he's walking up, to the, uh, up the mountain, and he's crucified. All right, he's nailed to the cross and he's crucified. All right, so we got these guys laughing and ridiculing and, 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 and to the point where they, the scripture says they're pulling his beard off. I mean, I can't imagine that. But Jesus took and endured everything. Not a lot, everything, okay? He took the whole thing. And when he was hanging on the cross and everyone was looking, and he was looking right down at him, everyone was staring at him. If you're the king, then come down here. You know, if you're this, then, uh, right? The whole deal was going on. And Jesus, in the midst of that, says this. In John, or excuse me, Luke 23, verse 34, and it says this. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled his clothes by throwing dice. Here's the thing. We see that whole picture of what, what Jesus is going through. And the thing that Jesus acknowledges is our ignorance. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's ignorance. When you just don't know, you're in an ignorant stage. I'm pretty sure if he came with robes and righteousness at the moment where everyone could fully see it, they wouldn't have done, they wouldn't have done any of that, but they didn't. 
So they were in a stage of ignorance, and he acknowledged that they were in that stage of ignorance. But the second thing that really pointed out or that came out of that scripture that really spoke to me was this, that God, that Jesus forgave first. Everyone say forgave first. See, he first forgave, then acknowledged the ignorant part of the stage because I believe that the, the mission of what Jesus was wanting to do was to restore us was to reconcile us before God, was to cover us before pointing our follies out, before saying, you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong. He didn't want to do any of that. What he did was he said, forgive them. Before anything else came out of his mouth, forgive them, Father. They just don't know. And that's why that mission was birthed out. The evidence was this, guys. Jesus did it. All right, in the midst of, of, of chaos, in the midst of the worst way you can be executed, Jesus did it. And when you can come to that understanding to the point of where I experienced that love, you see the evidence of God. You see the evidence of his love and what Jesus did. He forgave our sins. He forgave when we weren't faithful to him. He forgave when we weren't even close to him. I accepted Jesus at 19, 20 years old. So that means 19 and 20 years old, I loved without him, and he forgave me. And trust me, I needed that forgiveness. We all need that forgiveness. The evidence of, the first evidence that God leaves us of his love is the, his forgiveness. He forgave, and Jesus showed that. He did it, and we need to be like Nike and just do it, right? The second evidence is this, guys, is eternal life. Now, everyone say eternal life. In John 3, 16, one of the most famous quoted verses, even the people in the world kind of know it, and they honestly mimic it. You'll hear like Austin 316 or Rule 316. You hear all these, you know, different types of 316. People imitate that, but it's a pretty well-known uh, verse. Even people that don't know Jesus can probably quote it. And it's, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but gain eternal life or everlasting life depending on translation. And so when I was thinking about the second evidence of what God, and God was really showing me the mission and the heart and the reason behind all of this. So I, was, I went to the message translation, and I love this one. I hear this one out. John 3.16, but message translation. It says, this is how much. Everyone say, how much? This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his own, one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. So that nobody, see, you say some of us or are or, or partial of us or, or maybe, you know, this group and this group or this generation, but not this generation. No, no, no. He said, so that we all could be saved from this. And the thing is this, guys, when we look at that evidence of eternal life, that just shows that there was a cost there was a cost that Jesus paid, his blood, his body, his life, in exchange for ours. You see, when I, when, I, when I even talk about this, I get ready for Good Friday. Because let me tell you something, it's a Good Friday for us, but it was a, not a Good Friday for him. His eyes were fixed on Sunday, but I'm telling you something right now. He did it for our for the love that he had for, for us in the midst of that. He gave us this eternal life because by, purch, by purchasing, purchasing us with his blood. The evidence is that he gave. So we have, we have forgiveness, we have eternal life. The third evidence he gives us is our identity that we see in his love 
His agape type of love, his unconditional. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says this, guys. And all of this is a gift from God, okay, who brought us back to himself through Christ. I'm going to stop right there for a second, okay? He says, who brought us back to himself through Christ. When you bring something back, at one point you were separated. And for some reason, I'm thinking about fishing. I'm not a fisherman, okay? I just, I've fished twice maybe in my life. And it was a stick and a piece of gum with a, a, a rope on the end or whatever. And I caught a guppy though, okay? So here's the thing, <laughs> squirrel. Here's the thing, all right? You have this thing, all right? And you cast it. All right, and go far, and correct me if I'm wrong in any way, but I'm just kind of going with what I'm seeing right now. You cast it far, but then you reel it in. And when you reel it in, it comes right back to you. And we pray that we have something at the end of that, right? You know, we don't, we're like, okay, we're pretty bummed out, but we recast it out there. Here's the thing. When we cast this thing out, and we, it's separated from us, but we bring it right back in. There is this one connection called the fishing pole that brings whatever we cast it out right back in. At one point of our lives, guys, called the fall, back in Genesis, we were, or actually before the fall, we were with God. The Bible says that we walked, that, that God walked in the garden with Adam. There was fellowship. There was a togetherness. But then there was a separation through the fall. There is this separation that caused us away from God. And what happens is called, that thing was called a wedge. Now, do you guys remember the project I was working downstairs? I was telling you guys about it in my home. So I had this piece of uh, dry wood and I had this nail and I started hammering it. And the moment I hammered it, because it wasn't treated wood, it was dry wood, it cracked and it split in half. And because it split in half, the thing was, it was no good. I had to get something that was treated, that was, that was going to keep it together. I, I nailed something in there. And here's the thing. At one point, we were that dry piece of wood. But when we're treated in the word of God, if you guys understand what I'm saying, when you're treated, I've learned that treated wood, it's like this chemical that's injected. They inject it. You'll see it as a little bit of a, a green type of dye, right? But it injects into the wood, so when you penetrate something through it, when it goes through something, it doesn't, doesn't crack. When we inject the word of God, when we inject all of God in us, and when a wedge tries to come between us, we can't be separated from that. We can't be separated. No matter how hard or how uh, you know, tough that nail is, it, it can't wedge us away from God. So when we read that scripture, who brought us back to himself through Christ. At one point we were gone, but now we're back. And because of that, he's given us an identity. And that identity, that identity shows the love of God because even though we may have a past, God says, I don't identify you as that. Some of us, maybe even as kids, we're called losers or you're this or you're that. And all our lives we grow up that way. We grow up but in a sense, believing that I'm just no good. I can never do this. I'll never do that. And we label ourselves when God says, no, 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 no. I have given you an identity the moment you rest in my love, that you have been created anew, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus who strengthens you. So there's this identity that he gives us. Again, at one point we're wedged, we're wedged away, but he brings us back. He brings us back. It's no coincidence, I believe, that, that Jesus called his disciples fishers of men because he knew there's a point where you got to reel them in, right? And you're bringing them right back in. Everyone say identity. I'm going to uh, encourage you guys to read Luke chapter 15. Everyone say Luke chapter 15. 
And when you go home this week, read that. I just encourage you to do so. But in Luke chapter 15, you see the story of the, the parable of the prodigal son. Okay? And what happens is, is that there's these two boys, brothers, who um, uh, are living with their father. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm to put this in a nutshell. Okay? And this is what, this is what happens. Okay? One of the sons says, give me my money, my half dad of the estate, what I'm going to inherit, and just let me be. And the dad does that. The son goes out, and, and, and the Bible says that he lives wild. But then he gets to a breaking point a breaking point where he just realizes that, man, I messed up. <laughs> Who's ever been in a stage like that? I'll do this. That, man, I, I messed up. I missed it. Totally missed it. And the, the scripture says that the thought came to him, okay? He says, my dad has a bunch of servants. Maybe I can work for him so I can at least get fed food because he had nothing. You see, he's a son of the guy, of the father, but he doesn't even acknowledge that at the moment. He knew he messed up, but because of the guilt he was in, he looks at himself, well, maybe at least I can get hired by my dad to be a servant. So he goes back, that mentality. And the Bible says that the father saw him from a distance and that he ran to his son and that he threw, the Bible says he threw his arms around him. Threw and he embraced him and he kissed him. And he said, my son. Can you imagine the, 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 the son for a second? Oh, man, he wasn't expecting any of this. Oh, you know, he probably was doing this. Have you ever hugged someone like Varug and they couldn't do anything? I picture that, right? Because he was just so excited, probably lifting them around and everything, right? And he says, Dad, I, I'll work for you. I'll work for you. I'll be your servant. He didn't even answer. The dad didn't even answer the son. He told his guys, hey, go get the, go get the robe, the best robe. Go get, go get a ring. Let me put it on his finger and go uh, slaughter the, fat, the fattest calf. So we can party because my son is back. You see, the son had a servant's mindset, but the father said, no, you are my son. And he showed him his position. And he said, I don't care what you did or what happened, you're back. You're back. There are so many times we do that. We walk in this guilt, God, I love you, but I keep missing and I keep messing up. I don't know what to do, God. And we act like we're these servants. I'll just do my best and I'll serve you the best I can. And God's saying, stop. And he throws his arms around you and he holds you and he kisses you and he expresses his love on you. The love that you can't quite understand, that I can't quite understand, but you experience it. And he says, I have given you a position. I have given you an identity. You are my son. You are my son, and I want the world to know that you are my son. But we tend to live in this guilt. The evidence of the love that God expresses to us and shows us is identity. Now we are identified with the Father. Say, I am identified with the Father. We are back with him. And the fourth one, and the final one. Okay, so, so far we have, we have forgiveness is an evidence. Eternal life is his evidence. Identity is an evidence. The last one is purpose. Everyone say purpose. Now, the second half of that same scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, it says, and God has given us this task. Everyone say task. Of reconciling people to him. When you think of the word task, there's, there's a job, a duty, a responsibility, something that was given. 
God says in his word that he has given us this task. There is a mission for us to do. And he says the mission, mission is to reconcile people and Christ, to bring them together, to reel them in, to bridge the gap. And I've shared this with you guys in the past where I said the two eternal things in this world are people, uh, the, the people and the word of God, which the word is Christ, according to John. And our mission is to bridge that gap and bring them together. You see? And so he gives us a purpose now when we come and rest in his love and that we have a mission to do, that you're not just supposed to follow the waves, you're not supposed to just be neck deep, but that you're supposed to be walking on water with a purpose, confronting storms and saying, there is a true God. There is a savior, there is hope, there is hope. And so he gives us this purpose. See, when I was thinking about that, I, you know, so many times I was trying to understand and grasp and like, man, I, I'm trying to picture the love and, and God's very visual with me. And the only thing that God really showed me was this. I saw this, just, this ex, ex, I can't even put it in words. It's just this love that was, I could see. And what, what I was doing was I grabbed my measuring tape, my, my tool, and I, and I pulled the, the, the measuring tape and I, and I brought it out to measure it. But as I was measuring it, that love just kept growing. And, as it, and, I, and I was like, okay, now come over here. Look, and it just kept going. And I, it just kept going. And I was trying to measure this thing, but it just kept going. And then I stopped and realized, I can't measure it. It's immeasurable. It doesn't stop moving. It doesn't stop being active. And we need to understand that, that God, not only didn't he just pour his love all in us, but what he did was he's making it alive and active within us. And if we can't rest in that, then we miss it. And we try to do our type of love, which we always fall short. Here's the thing. We don't have to understand how it works. We just have to experience how it works. And when you experience how it works, you're able to experiment how it works. Does that make sense? You get to experience it. So going back to the beginning, I'll close it with this, guys. You see that the four evidence of love is there. And I believe, and Danny and I were talking about this the other day. I believe that the purpose, okay, the purpose, the, the identity, the eternal life, and the uh, uh, forgiveness, the four points, is, is a symbol or foreshadow of the cross of every four point. Now, don't, I'm not getting Catholic, I promise, okay? But what I am saying is this, there's four points to the cross, and I believe we see every single point that way. And he also says, in, in the first scripture that we talked about, uh, I pray that you understand how high, how deep, how wide, how, how uh, I forgot the other one, but, <laughs> but how high, let me go back to it. How long, how high, how deep is his love? How wide is his love? There's four points to that, which I believe is a foreshadow of the cross as well. And then this dropped in my heart, which again, I'll close it with this. When we see the evidence of God, and when we understand that it's immeasurable, everyone say immeasurable, God answers how wide, how long, how deep, how high my love is. And he says this, Who's ever been with, though, actually, who's ever been with, as a parent, seen mom and dad or, or, or mom and a child or a dad and a child? Like, I love you more. No, 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 I love you more. Oh, I love you more. I play this game with my kids every night. And Malaya, or sorry, Mila has to be the last one. Well, I love you more, dad. And then, like, right when the door's shining. It's just this competition. And, we, and, and God says we can do that with him. And check this out. He says this. You want to know how wide I love you? I love you from one nailed hand to the other. 
He says, you want to know how long I love you? Long enough to hang on a cross for you. He says, you want to know how deep my love is for you? So deep that the whips penetrate my flesh and dug deep. He says, you want to know how high my love is for you? It is so high that we, identity, we are sitting at the right hand of our Heavenly Father. That's how wide, that's how long, that's how deep, that's how high my love is for you. And even though our minds still can't comprehend that, we can rest in it because we have been forgiven. We can, it's this immeasurable love that he has for us. Guys, I say this with all my heart. Actually, I say this with all his heart in me. Don't try to figure him out. Rest in him and encounter him.